Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. You are listening to episode 400 of the Talking Metal Podcast. Guys, we made it. 400 fucking episodes. Thanks for your support. You're the ones who helped us get to this point. On today's episode, Rob Dukes from Exodus and bandmates from his band Generation Kill. We have bassist Rob Machete and drummer Jim DiMaria. Right now, let's get into a little sound sample of Generation Kill. This is Let Me Die, off the album Red, White, and Blood. Hey guys, welcome to episode 400 of Talking Metal. It's John Astronomy here at the Gibson Guitar Showroom with Mark Striegel. Hey Mark. Hey John, how are you? Great to be here with you. It is uh, just, it's been an amazing journey. 400 episodes of I can't about. believe it. I can believe it, but at the same time, I can't believe it. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to you, Mark. Uh, Talking Metal has been the coolest thing that ever happened to me. And I am so excited to be here on episode 400, man. Can't believe it. It's, it's really incredible. We are at the Gibson Showroom in New York City and uh, just looking out at all these beautiful Gibson guitars here. 
And we are about to get into an interview with a guy who's really been a part of the Talking Metal family for a while now. He, we first met him when we were doing the show on Fuse. He came down and jammed a Metallica song with us. And then we hooked up with him at a bar and hung yeah, out. Circus. And a, yeah, Circus Bar. Had a great chat with, with him. And now he's back in episode 400. And not to mention he did the Snowblind the jam, jam. Yeah, the Snowblind Jam is too. one of the coolest jams that we've done, in my opinion. Yeah, we jammed the Sabbath classic, Snowblind, with him and Dan Lorenzo and Ron Lipnicki from Overkill. So if you haven't seen that, go to the YouTube.com slash Talking Metal page. Check that out. And anyways, Rob Dukes of Exodus fame has been a great friend of Talking Metal, and we are honored to have him here on our 400th episode, along with some other band members from Generation Kill. So without further ado, let's check in with Generation Kill. Hey guys, welcome to another Talking Metal interview. We're here with the guys from Generation Kill. To my left, we have Rob Machete, we have Jim DiMaria, and of course, our good friend Rob Dukes. Guys, we're very excited because we have heard that you guys are working on a second record as Generation Kill. The first record, which came out back in 2011, was, I would say, diverse. I mean, I've heard you guys described as a thrash metal band, but you had songs like Slow Burn, which was an like, epic heavy metal song, in my opinion. Uh, a Nine Inch Nails cover was on there. So it was, it, it was, in my opinion, a diverse record. Can we expect more diversity on the next record, or will you head in one specific direction musically? Um, no, it's going to be even, it's gonna be even weirder. Um, we, we uh, you know, we didn't try to stay, let's stick with some formula or whatever. We just wrote songs that we, that we liked playing, and um, it ended up being a very... It's kind of like a roller coaster ride, man. I mean, there's there's thrash, there's hardcore, there's punk rock, there's stoner rock, there's doom metal, there's acoustic <laughs> shit. There's it's just a, a roller coaster ride of stuff. And we didn't say, okay, let's, you know, let's do it this way. It just the way it kind of ended up. You know, we you know we explored what we can do, and you know, then again, we didn't want to get locked into one thing. We like, dude, we can tour with any kind of bands we want at this point. You know, if we wanted to go out on a doom metal tour, we could pull it off. We could do... And it it wasn't ever consciously talked about. It's just kind of way it, it came out. And I listened to the whole... We have a new record. It's basically, you know, almost all written. It's just kind of like kind of piecing it together and cleaning it up. But the songs are so diverse. It just, it's just... It's a roller coaster ride. It's really, uh, you know, it's, it's really... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Awesome. Oh, yeah, it's really awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> the main thing I noticed with, between the, the first record and the second record is um, the first record we had me- heavy stuff, mellow stuff, slow stuff within each, each song. Now we're kind of meshing those ideas together in one song. We'll have a thrashing riff, and then it breaks off into a mellow section. You know what I mean? It's, instead of having... You know, complete. Songs. Yeah, you know, all we're blending the same ideas as our first record, but into each song instead of separating heavy song, mellow song, acoustic song. 
know would be cool is if we made it just one song, if it was just one track and just <laughs> just, just, just just the way it went. You know what I mean? Like you know, no breaks and so when you it just forty three minutes and that's all you get. Like you can't you have to fast forward to it. Oh, I gotta hear this shitty part again. You 21, know, so. 21, 12 yeah. and a half. Yeah, twenty one twelve <laughs> times two. Yeah. Now. I was going to ask about the writing. Now, I know, Rob, on the last record, you wrote the lyrics for almost all the tunes, and I think you wrote the lyrics for a couple of tunes. Yeah, two. I wrote for two. and uh, But I basically waited till he hit the wall, and then he's like, you got anything for these songs? And I, and I did, so. But it, we don't really... I try not to step on his toes with the lyrics, and he's constantly stepping on my toes with the music, so. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you play guitar, too. Better than, you know, better than any of the guys in my band now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, not very well. I, I played. I'm okay. I, you know, I just I'm a mediocre, if that, guitar player. But um, the reason I, I it's, it was never anything like, oh, I'm going to write the lyrics because I want to write. It was more about I want to write the melody rather than be given the melody. I don't know. There's something about um, living with it and 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 doing it that way rather than being handed it. You know, very cool. Um, not that I was opposed to it. I, you know, I said to him, you know, if you have got some lyrics, if when I, you know, if I need them, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up. It's not like I say, well, I'm writing all the words. It is a dictatorship where what I say goes, <laughs> and that's what it is. But that's, it's a democracy, but not really. It's still a dictatorship, you know. So the one you know. thing I think that was cool was like if I gave him music, and I'm, I was completely stumped lyrically he would return it to me and show me and I'd be blown away. And then a song like Self-Medicating, I gave him the lyrics and the kind of the melody line and then he took it, you know, there's about seven tracks of vocals on that, on Self-Medicating. It's like four of me or three of me and the rest are him. And we both were harmonizing on each other, doing, taking different directions. There's, you know, that song is kind of all over the place vocally and uh, most people weren't expecting that out of a screamer. Right. But, you know, we didn't get any bad, bad press or uh, bad uh, re responses to it. I read to that you. song. To all, the whole record. Oh, you know, whatever. So I wanted to talk to Jim, and who is the drummer of the band. Now, Jim, on the last record, you played on the cover tune, but you're going to be fully on this next record. And the thing that some some fans might not know is that you were the original choice to be the drummer even before the first record came out. <laughs> uh. I guess I was the original choice back when they were forming this. This was about four or five years ago. Um, I really wasn't in the right uh, frame of mind to take on the project. To give it the right dedication. You know, you can't be half in and half out. Right. So, right. you know, at that point I couldn't do it. So they got Sam and, you know. Balls deep or nothing. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You're all, all the way in or all the way out. But, uh, you know, things changed over, over a period of time, and I ended up always – practicing on my own to the stuff anyway just right, to you know cool. just to be ready and you know when when the opportunity arose you know i went over to europe with dukes to watch exodus open up for slayer i said i'm gonna make machete sorry that he ever fucking passed over me i never passed and over. That, you know and that, and that was really my over. my inspiration for getting the job back in the bed but well i i think it, it's a natural thing now and it's it's really cool that you're back and you're part of the band, and this next record is going to be fully part of it. And now, what's it like, you know, to play to this kind of stuff? Is this is this always been your style, the kind of stuff you want to do? A lot of double bass and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I love this. Is really, you know, this is really where, you know, <laughs> sorry, this is really um, something, <laughs> something. <laughs> 
that I've been looking to do for a long time, you know, be part of a record, make a, make a, a really, you know, you want to make something that's timeless, you know, you can't say I'm going to make something great, it, a record comes how it comes out like it's coming out, like kind of like we're doing now, but, uh, you know, I went out teching with uh, Exodus in March of 2010, and since then it's been like a personal, you know, master class, I've been watching all the greats of the, of my era, you know, like Dave Lombardo, I tech for Tom Hunting, you know, I've wow. seen Bostaff up close, I've seen Gene Hoagland up close, I mean, I have videos of these guys, you know, fillings at this point, you know what I mean, it's, so it's just been two or three straight years of, you know, as far as I'm personally using that as inspiration to try and raise my level of playing for this band, so it's exciting. Cool. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, even like 20 years ago when I first met Jim, um, I, I, he was always one of my favorite drummers, you know, to like there was just something about the way he went about it that I liked. So to have it come this full circle and to have this is, is really kind of cool, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's, uh, I challenge him to play the way, you know, against stuff that he's not comfortable with. And I also, you know, what his skill is and go, well, you can do that, you know, like stop whining, do it, you know, and then, so it's kind of cool to have that, you know. Now, we know Rob Dukes is in Exodus, of course, but Rob, can you talk a little bit about your history? You've played in some significant bands through the years. Uh, yeah, in the early 90s, I was in uh, MOD with Billy, and that was a really cool experience, you know, and um, got to tour Europe a bunch of times with him and did a couple of records. And then from there, I jumped out of that and uh, into... Uh, from playing bass with Billy, I was playing uh, guitar with Propane for their third, fourth, and fifth record. Cool. And just did their 25-year anniversary record playing guitar with them. A 20-year anniversary, actually. And, uh, you know, it was cool. I got to... Those bands were established already before I joined, so I kind of just went in and blended into their style. Yeah. This is completely, you know, a different situation. I have a lot more satisfaction with this, you know hearing this stuff on the radio and playing it live and seeing the reaction. I'm getting a different feeling with it because this feels like it's more mine than those two bands were, you know? Sure. So this is definitely a special project to me. If you look back in the, in the history and, and look at the early, early videos of Poison, he was uh, in that too, but he had a wig and stuff. He had long hair. So, you know, I was just you, waiting. Uh, I was holding you know, my breath. <laughs> Where did you? Where did Rob and Rob originally meet? Nyack, probably yeah, Spring just, Valley. Just man, we were you know we've all been friends for like over twenty years. I mean, like we all like you know went to different high schools, but like the music scene was in in right you know we're right outside New York City, and you know we're you know fifteen miles from Manhattan, so we all live in this small county, so we all kind of knew each other. We were all in different bands, and we were all kind of you know knew, knew each other through that, but. This was like now that we were a little older, and I was, I came home from tour, and I was like, yeah, you know, I got a couple months off. Let me, let me get together and see if Jim wants to play. And and, and it was kind of like an idea. I remember sitting on Jim's porch, and it was kind of like an idea that we had of let's get our old our high school friends together and, and or guys we knew that go play. And that was really how it started. More than less, just let's get out of the house, you know. And now they regret together. inviting me to the project. Absolutely, it's the worst thing I ever did. <laughs> yeah. I wish I just played bass myself; it would have been a lot easier, you know. Now, one of the things that I want the the fans to know is, it, it, although you're in Exodus, this is not just like a side gig for you. This is like a real band. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, uh, I get, you know, it's not even like Exodus is is 
you know, fuck, it's a dream come true. Do I, you know, no matter what happens in my life, and if, if it all ended today, I did that, and you can't take that. You know, right. I got that's that. But this is more more personal because you know, one, I, I'm I have a lot more creative control. You know, Exodus was already established. I mean, it was kind of like I stepped into, you know, do something that was already started and and, and established, and then, um, you know, you know the singer had quit and kind of left the band hanging with no singer. So I kind of filled in and took in the, and, and did at first, you know, it was kind of like, you know, you know, just do what this is, just do this. And I did that. Okay, cool. And then I, you know, slowly as time has gone on, I've kind of, you know, you do a thousand shows and all of a sudden you have your own way of doing it. You know, you right. have my own personality there now. It's not like, you know, I think at first I was a little bit of Bailoff, I was a little bit of Zed, I was a little bit of myself, and then I think through the years and through the repetition, and I think through all the shows that I've done, I've really become myself. And and you know, that's kind of cool. Those guys, that's what those guys tell me. You know, that's what Gary and Tom, the you know originators of thrash metal, have told me. You know, I'm just no, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, so it's like, oh, okay, cool. So now to come home and you know, write a couple of guitar riffs and, and show it to these guys. And then we all get to, we're all in a room writing it all at the same time together. You know, it's like we all have our, our say and our, and, uh, you know, I mean, even if it's, it's a dictatorship and I say what goes, like, <laughs> you know, um, it's also more or less of like this, like that riff moves me. Play, let's work, let's think, you know. But if it didn't work for everybody, it would be like, ah, I'm not really feeling that, you know. But it just so happens that, you know, most of the time we're all on the same page. We've actually, just recently, we all fucking hated each other. We walked out of rehearsal, and I was like, you guys are a bunch of dicks. And I called everybody, you're being a dick, and you're being a baby, and fuck. And we had this meltdown, and you know what, man? It all kind of worked out, came back, and now we, we, the record's done. I mean, we fucking walked in, and and just like, bam, 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 and shit just kind of happened, you know? It was kind of like we had to have a fight to, to make shit progress. It was awesome. You know. now, now, what label is the new record going to come out of? Same as the other one. Season of the Mist? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, it's cool that you guys can have an uh, argument and then kind of make up. I mean, Trent Reznor once said, you, you don't make any friends making a record. And is, is there truth to that? or? It's difficult, man. I mean, it's like being married to five. To five. You know, everyone's got their own. Like, you know what, man? The thing about this band and what's cool is that, you know, leave your ego at the door. It's, it's, it's about the song. And if it's... If it works for the song, then that's the, it, like, I know what sounds good, and so does so do all you guys. So if it doesn't sound right, man, like, really, you can't hear that it doesn't sound right? That's what was so, that was where, I think it sounds good. I'm like, you guys are fucking crazy. That sounds horrible. You know, and it, it wasn't even like that. It was just that it's not about what, what how high I get to scream or how loud or, or whatever or how the bass line is going or the guitar riffs or, or, the, or the drumming. It's, it's about... The song is the, is the most important part, and everyone's ego can just take a back seat to that because there'll be plenty of time to be fucking wanking off on stage and playing leads and doing all that later. It's just right now we need to focus on this. And everyone came back to the table in agreement that, okay, that is, you're right, that's the way it goes. And it was kind of cool to have that meltdown. And, like, we don't argue. We don't fight. We, I'm not, and it was like, well, all of us thought the same way. I don't want to go there and feel like shit. I want to go there and walk out of there knowing I just hung out with my friends and had a good time. And I'm not dealing with bills and life and home and girls and, you know, kids and all the other shit that really comes with uh, being a human being. 
this is just away from there. This is just about making music together, and you know, and that's what's cool about this room. And Exodus is the same way. It's the same way. We we fight and do the same shit, you know. But it's like being married to five different people. It's brutal. Nope. Tell us about you guys have two other band members. Jay Velez is awesome. Jay Trenzer is awesome. Um, Completely different guitar playing styles, though. Yeah, they're even lefty and righty, which is cool. Um, (laughs) They couldn't uh, couldn't be further apart from each other, but the way they blend together, the chemistry is is really incredible. You know. Yeah, Velez is kind of like a like a ministry type guy. Like he listens to a lot of industrial, a lot of a lot of weird kind of music. Bands I've never heard of. I'm like, oh, cool, and you know. And Trenzer is um, fucking Eddie Money listening, <laughs> you know, I mean, Kiss. He's like a jukebox, like, you, know. you know. Yeah, he, he knows he's, every he's a cover jukebox. song. He's like, he just knows it all. But he can barely tie his shoes. You know, he's got to wear slip-ons. You know, I mean, that's, but he's a <laughs> but brilliant he's just guitar like, player. Yeah. No, that's, that's how they are. I mean, he reminds me of a, he reminds me of the guy from, uh, when they talked about in Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Frusciante. Uh, right, when they right. met him, no driver's license, no right. credit card, no money. That's the, that's what he is. If, you know, but he can he, just play anything. If he wasn't married, he'd be yeah. living at home with his parents still. Wow. He's you just like got to like reel him in a little bit, you know, because he's just so. Yeah. He'd walk in here and with his uh, guitar collection and say, you call this a guitar collection? Yeah, he's got like a guitar. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm telling but you, he's, he's brilliant. He has a lot of guitars, wow. yeah. yeah. He's definitely yeah. a gifted kid. And then, you know, I've known him, you know, when I, when I first met Jay in like 87, we bumped into each other in, in school in the hallway. And he's listening with his little Walkman. And he looks at me. We didn't even know each other. And he goes, one day I'm going to open for Exodus. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Now, <laughs> he's, in a, now he's in a band with the guy at Exodus. Yeah, but it you know, only took 30 years or 20 years for it to happen. That was 37 when I got that gig at Exodus, yeah. dude. Wow. You know what I mean? But it was pretty funny. That's our, our first meeting. And uh, I tried to get into bands with him for years, you know. But it was hard to... You know, get him to focus on one thing. He just wanted to d- dive into everything, you know. We finally got him. Now you mentioned 1987, Rob. Back in, in those days, were you listening to strictly metal or did you listen yeah. to other types I, I, of music? In those days, I was, you know, one side of just metal. Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, like Exodus. It wasn't cool to like other music back yeah. then. And if you did, you didn't tell people. And... um the one thing that was cool was I went on the propane tour with MOD. We, we both toured together, and um, I didn't know propane yet. And I went on the bus. We shared a bus, and I get on thinking, you know, what you know, what's it going to be like? And they're listening to like disco and, you know, top forty, you know, from the seventies. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here, you know? And since then, I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to what I like, and I'm not going to uh, try to put on this fake front, you know. So I downloaded the Carpenters album today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jim, what kind of music were you listening to back in the in the 1980s? Was it strictly metal too? Mo- or mostly you- metal, yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm really a metal guy. I like punk. I like the hardcore. I mean, obviously the Beatles, 70s stuff, Kiss, things like that. I grew up on Iron Maiden, you know, classic metal, Priest, you know, back in the 80s. You went one or one of two directions. Either you followed Metallica and Slayer in that path, or you went off on the hair metal thing and you just couldn't go there you, you just couldn't you leave your testicles yeah you just you just couldn't you couldn't <laughs> no, that wasn't metal there's so. none of that stuff you like there, any guilty pleasures in in the 
I mean, like, metal. who didn't like the White Snake album when it came out? Right. You know what I mean? I don't like the image. Some of the music was great. Right. I mean, I'll take Slide It In over the White Snake self well, It's funny, the image of that record yeah. was very different than the people who actually played on it. Were yeah. you the glitter tech yeah. for uh, Trickster? Yeah, I was the glitter tech. No, I was the wardrobe manager for Trickster. <laughs> now, Rob, you had a lot of punk and maybe hardcore influences back, you know, in the day, right? No, hardcore came after. Oh, okay. Um, I... I my, I was 11 years old when Blizzard of Oz came out. Oh, okay. Right? I was 11 years old when, when Van Halen hit the scene with Van Halen 1. Before that, I was listening to Pink Floyd and, and uh, Jimi Hendrix and Black Sabbath. Apparently, you know, records I had stolen from my parents. Wow. And, you know, but I was, you know, eight years old listening to Pink Floyd. You know, the, first, the first album I ever bought with my own money was I mowed a bunch of lawns. I bought Queen, News for the World. Um, Clash, uh, White Riot, and London Calling, and the police Regatta de Blanc, which forced me to go buy the first album and Ghost in the Machine and all that. Wow. So the, so the reggae influence, like I always had that kind of like going on. I liked Bob Marley, but I, didn't, I never liked the dead. And then, um, and then after Blessed of Oz came out, um, you know, I jumped, you know, I had that in my life, but I also, then I got Judas Priest, and Iron Maiden came along, and like, all those bands started to happen, and, and I just kind of always listened to a lot of everything, but the, for a lot of years, I drank real heavy, and I was a fucking drunken nightmare, so I only listened to ACDC, and Van Halen, and Judas Priest, I, and Metallica, when they, you know, first hit the scene in Nexus, stuff that, like, but if you put on Van Halen, and I was drinking, we were going to jail. We were, I mean, it's just the way it kind of, you know, that's the way it happened. And ACDC was the same way. It was just, uh, you know, I was just a nightmare. And then, you know, of course, uh, you know, I, I one day woke up and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, I, uh, I quit drinking, but my music taste just progressed. And, you know, I liked everything, you know, but I was listening to like David Bowie and, and wow. you know, and, and uh, you know, went back into the 70s and, or, and, you know, like Sex Pistols hit in, in like 79, 80. I caught on to that and like TSOL and some of the Southern California stuff, you know, Circle Jerks and all that, which led into Agnostic Front from New York. And then it was just like a progressive. But uh, hardcore really came to me later in life. I was never like a really, like the Cro-Mags came later. I was already an adult. I didn't, I didn't find that until later, basically because I lived in Rockin County, New York, which is a, a, a suburb of New York City. Uh, my my parents kind of like weren't really uh, in, engaging of the music. They wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Like so, it was really difficult for me to to get the exposure that I had. It wasn't until I left home, and I met other people, did I grasp other records. I remember the first time I heard the Stooges record. I was like, "What the fuck is this? This sounds horrible." And then I listened to it the second time and was like, "Oh, I get it. Wow. I get it." You know what I mean? Like, wow. Okay, so that. Those kind of things happened for me, but as a young kid, eight, nine, ten years old, I was listening to Black Sabbath. And Your parents had a had Black Sabbath in the record collection. Uh, yeah, man, I stole apparently from my mom, and I sold. Wow. Uh, her, I had a matter of fact, I had to go buy my own version of uh, Dark Side of the Moon because it had played so many times on the one needle that it wouldn't. It would just you'd put it in and go, you know, across. Man. So I had to get my own version, you know, and I remember like. You know, I used to sit on the radio. I don't know if you guys did this, but I'd, I'd sit there with um, WCWP, which was like 88.1 in, in, in from Long Island. And I would sit with the record, you know, the pause button and oh, the recorder, yeah. and I'd wait 
for the idiot to stop talking so I could, you know, record the, record the song. And then, I, and then I had that. I remember yeah. the first time I heard Stranglehold. I had no idea who, what it was. Wow. I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. What is this? And I, oh, that's like 10 years old, dude. You're like, you know, you're 14 and that came out when you were two. You know, wow. like, wow, really? Well, you know, I mean, ACDC came out in 74, man. I was, I was five years old. Right. You know, and my parents didn't like it. They thought Bon Scott was like, that guy sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> you know, but when I heard it, oh, that's awesome, you know. So, you know, my musical tastes vary. I mean, and, and I'm even more open-minded now than I, I ever have been in my life. I mean, I listen to everything. And I so. mean, it really is broad. I mean, I didn't realize that, you know, you were into bands like Pink Floyd, which is, like, that's hard to, when I say hard to listen to, that's like complex music. And the, the fact that you started out with that is pretty amazing. I, I mean, out of all the bands in the world, I'm going to say Pink Floyd is probably my favorite. They're, wow. I mean, they just have, like, they have so much, it's, it's weird, you know, Pink Floyd, Rush, um, and also, like, you know, Metallica, Slayer. Like, those bands, like, there's something I'm magnificent, but Pink Floyd has always been, like, I, I've listened to Animals uh, at least 600 times. His, uh, his influence of that stuff, though, allowed us to write A Dark Days for our own album. You know, we were sitting at my house watching a Ranger game, and he, always, he said he wanted to write, like, a fade to black kind of song without the heavy part, just mellow, have the balls to stay mellow throughout the whole song, so... We grabbed two 12 strings off my wall. And what you're hearing is the day we wrote it. We tracked it in my house. So what's on the record was just a spontaneous little jam that he wrote a riff, I wrote a riff. We're like, all right, that's the song. And then he wrote lyrics to it, and that was it, you know. But being into it's that. It's one role, of those times where you you uh, wish you had pre-production and like did it and listened to it for a while, and then oh, I wish I had done that better. Because I think had I given that to Trenzer or Velez and said, hey, make this better. I think they would have. I think uh, I kind of shortchanged our, ourselves. But it is what it is. I listened to it the other day. It came on on the radio, and I was like, oh, that's actually not wow. bad. Wow, fuck, okay, I cool. I like it because it's spontaneous, you know? and we didn't overthink it. Like, yeah. The reason he doesn't like it, or not doesn't, doesn't like it. but I think I could do it better. That's kind of the reason why I do like it. Like, he'll say, you, you flubbed that little guitar thing, and I'm like. I didn't say that at all. I You're making it. that up. I, I wish I'd <laughs> sang it better. <laughs> Let's check it out right now. You're not, you weren't even in the fucking equation. Listen, <laughs> the end of self-medicating, that little you guitar suck. plug. You, like, we got to yeah. fix that. I said, no, this ain't Exodus. We're not fixing every mistake. Let's check it out now on Talking Metal.
What you guys just heard was Self-Medicating by Generation Kill. We are here with Rob, Rob, and Jim from Generation Kill in the Gibson showroom in New York City. Thanks so much for coming down to Talking Metal, guys. Um, will there be touring plans for Generation Kill? We're trying, man. Nobody gives a fuck. We're weekend warriors, basically. Dude, listen, it's not like we're not fucking willing to go out. But what I cannot do is leave behind... I mean, Jim owns his own business. Rob's got a good job, and I got a, uh, my own business and a job. Or, or you can't, I can't pay my bills if you want me to go out in a van for a month to open up for a band and not make any money. Like, right. you at least have to give me, you at least have to tour us, so you at least pay for itself. And the problem is that promoters aren't willing to take a chance on a band they've never seen before. So, unfortunately, I'm not young enough that I'm 19 years old where I can just, ah, fuck it, and I'm going to go leave. Right. You know, we're a little older, so we're stuck in this kind of catch-22 that, yeah, we're fucking, the band is really good live. Like, live, I think we're better than the, the studio. Like, it doesn't, Lombardo said that to me. He goes, that band, you guys, that record doesn't do you any justice whatsoever, you know. Wow. Um, we did a couple shows with his band, Film, and, uh, yeah, man, and, and so, like, but to have the the chance to go out on tour, I'm I'm, re- I'm hoping that we you know somebody takes a risk, you know. But you know, just it's hard, man. It's hard because we you know you can't just go out for nothing. And we've been asked, hey, come out for free, right? You can't do it because then you got to come back to to the money I know, didn't yeah, make, right. the bills I still have, and the shit that I should have made while I was home, but I wasn't. I was off jerking off. And uh, and right. You lost yeah. your job too. Yeah, right? yeah. And then you come so, and you have no job, right? Well, no, we know yeah. how that is. Absolutely. We and do like four in a row, five in a row, and then we, you know, we'll bring it in for a little bit, you know, Friday, Saturday. You know, the film shows and, and leading up to the film shows, you know, we did a little run, you know. It was cool. Yeah, it's just, you know, you know, the way the finances are in the world today, it's just, you know, it's difficult. And I understand that promoters, you know, they're going to lose money. But, you know, if, if you could put Exodus' name on the bill, you're going to bring at least 20 people. 20 at $15 a ticket, right? Right, yeah, yeah $15 yeah. A ticket that right, pays yeah. for the band right there. Like, just right. give us what we give us the 200 bucks at least so we can fucking right. pay for gas and renting the, yeah. the fucking van we're in, you know. You fuck now. Are there some cool, <laughs> like, what are the you know, I don't even know this. I mean, back back when I moved to New York, there were a bunch of great clubs for, for heavy metal bands to play. Now, what are the, I know there's Dingbats in, in Jersey. What what are the clubs that you guys know of that? that Bowery, what? Bowery Electric. Bowery Electric. There's, uh, out in Brooklyn, there's, uh, there's, um, what's it? Joe Shufton has a bunch Joe of Shuff, places. You can play any place. Uh, the rooms in Webster couple, Hall. There's a couple. Right. Webster there's, Hall, obviously, you could play the big room. You could play, like, downstairs. the stage room. Well, there's a studio downstairs. You know, there's, a, there's a bunch of clubs. Fontana's we played for uh, for Joe uh, Shufton with the... Uh, then up rocks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, that, what's that fucking club in Brooklyn, man? The Trash okay. Bar. St. Vitus. St. Vitus is a great yeah. place. St. Vitus is a great place. Uh, Arlene's Grocery. Do stuff, stuff on the Lower East Side. I just played the, the Alphabet Lounge last week with Gunfire and Sodomy. I mean, small little places, you know. I like the New York City throne goes for Generation Kill because then it's just us, the band, a five-piece kit, and it's just nothing but power coming out of that small room. And, and oh, yeah, we're, we're fucking brutal. I'd, I'd love to see you guys in a, in a little club like that. I mean, I bet it Dude, we just, just blow people away. We played, that, uh, we played a party, and it was a Christmas party, so we decided to surprise the people that asked us to play it by playing all cover songs. And we wow. did 
we came out opening with uh, Electric Eye by Judas Priest wow. into Rothschild by Iron Maiden. And we played Man. all our favorite songs from our favorite bands. We did like, that is totally we did cool. a whole lot of Rosie. Oh. We did Romeo Delight by Van Halen. We played like just a bunch of. Like two hours. Two hours. <laughs> two hours. We only played four originals and the rest were covers and it was, it was killer. So to have wow. the ability to do that is. That's pretty cool, you know. That we absolutely, can, I bet so. people just went nuts, like you know. The bartenders drank themselves into oblivion <laughs> that that one of them got fired, and like because everyone was drunk, dude. Everybody right. was hammered, was hammered. Man, night. It really was. It was a pack yeah. night, and everybody sang every word. And you know, we were in the you know playing way after curfew, and nobody stopped anything. It was great. Where, where was this? Dingbats, man. Wow. It's our, very it's, cool. You know, it's our home, dude. Like like you know, we played there a, a dozen times, and. You know, the owner likes us, and, you know, we get our spot, and we played for, you know, we've, we set up in front of some other bands. We played God Forbid show. We, you know, went on before them. Um, we pissed all over that band, you know. Um, we went on. What was that other? What, that. What, what, was, what was that other Cut band? Cut that out, please. Nah, we, we crushed God Forbid. Who else did <laughs> no, we crush? Rex's band. Rex's new band. We crushed them, Kill too. Kill Devil Hill. Yeah. Kill Devil Hill. We, we made them look silly. And they wouldn't break down the drums, dude. Like, yeah. the guy, he wouldn't break. I'm like, really, dude? This, the stage is as big as this fucking yeah, couch. Uh, you know, I had a situation <laughs> like what that once. fuck, man? Like, come yeah, on. Like, like, you can reset them up a couple minutes later. They were such later. rock yeah, star yeah. dicks, a man. A fuck A them. week later, we played there with Dave Lombardo, too, who, to me, right, Dave right. Lombardo. One of the most amazing drummers ever. But. Played, roadied his own shit. Stri- we, you know, we, in we, your van. Yeah, you know, we stro- we, we, he always took the kit down. He set up his own kit. The next night, we played at the championship bar down in Trenton. He set up a foot from the front of the stage. If you were a fan of that dude, you're like breathing down his neck as a yeah. fan. Uh, to see that band was outstanding. Yeah, I got to sing yeah. Symptom of the Universe with yeah. that band. Wow. Dude. It was awesome, dude. Like an original way, too. Like they, they do it their way, and it was just uh, like, cool. I didn't even face the crowd. I just faced the, because the, the he band. was faced sideways. Wow. And the bass player was here, and the guitar player was here, and I was here, and we were like in a circle. Just, it was awesome. Man. man. It was unique. It was a, a thing, I, you know, I, that's a moment in time that I will have for the rest of my life. On the, yeah. my, I will remember that forever. Yeah, that, you that know? club had no no real PA. It was no PA, which is amps. It was a pizza joint with a with a yeah a two like a four inch platform stage in the back corner of the room. Yeah, we were like I get they would have parties back there. I bet you with clowns and stuff. No, now you're back there behind the pizza joint yeah. with That's the. A- Oh my God! <laughs> With pool tables in the front and Dave Lombardo's playing and there, and the biggest like, clown of them all back there, Rob Machete. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know Dave Lombardo, obviously. Um, what and Gary Holt for it? Uh, there you go. Uh, what's uh, he's got a new pro? They got a new project going. That that's that's with Casey Chaos. Uh, uh, Franco Tomaselli with Poncho from War. No, he's talking about the Gary Holt and. Uh, oh Lombardo. yeah, the Gary, yeah they did that was a movie sound. They did that for a movie. It was some kind of movie soundtrack um, that did that for. He, he I, I talked to Gary today. He said some like they did it with Ross Robertson and they did Nick Oliveri was on bass and and uh, it was, they said it was awesome. You know, and Dave and Gary just but it was a movie soundtrack. It wasn't an album or a band or nothing. No, just like so, a one-off yeah. thing. But. So they just jammed. You know, but uh, his other brand film with. Um, with, with, with Poncho from War, I mean, they were just, they're so badass. I mean, I mean you want to hear a unique kind of album. I played, a, they opened for Exodus once, too, and they were they were just awesome. And uh, it was, uh, they're one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite albums that came out last year because it's so weird and cool, tripped out, Led Zeppelin-y type of 
wow. weird thing. Lombardo Definitely affected piece. me. Lombardo four piece. Yeah. As far as the writing of this record, oh like, yeah, just opened my mind a little more. Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, man. Probably another one of those things where the record doesn't do it justice as yeah, live. Yeah, P H I L M. You know? And it, it, the record, uh, I think they're amazing live, really loud, but they're only a three piece and they're they're insane. And the album really didn't represent the way I was affected by them live. Like they were just, but it also made me say, you know what? I can be any band I want. Like we took on like the Faith No More kind of thing where I'm not going to be, you know, you can't call us a thrash band. You can't call us a hardcore band. You can't call us a punk band. We are just this roller coaster ride of stuff. And, and film reminds me of that, but they're more like 70s kind of ride rather than where wow. we are. We're doing something a little different than they yeah, are. I mean, I, I love the, what you said earlier in this interview that, that Generation Kill can fit on a, like just about any kind of bill in the genre, like the metal genre. Yeah. You could, yeah, you, man, it's can, not we, one thing. Now we can. shows, metal yeah. shows, old school shows, new, new metal shows, whatever. Well, I, I don't want to do get, it. I hope we get a chance to see you guys like yeah, here man. in the New York area like soon. Like. Yeah, man. As soon as we got a gig, I'll text you. When is the album coming out? Do we know yet? Well, we got Zeus producing it. Um, he's producing a lot of. A lot of heavy shit, so we were like, you know, let's go get him. He actually approached us, so it was kind of cool that we were originally going to go with uh, Peter Tagren from uh, Hypocrisy and Pain, but he lives in Sweden, and it would have cost us way too much money. So uh, we used uh, Zeus, who uh, lives in the East Coast and was uh, more available and closer. And, uh, and you know, it's always kind of a weird situation. You know, you, you want one, and then the... Uh, but I actually called Peter and told him. He was like, no, nah, I get it. Totally cool. Yeah, right. You know, do something later. But it's all good. So, um, We're hoping for the summer, you know, summer. before maybe before yeah. the summer to get it out. But we're not going to rush it. If it's not ready to be tracked, we're not going to, you know. just. I'm going to try and finish the vocals and have it all recorded and done by the time I go out with the Anthrax tour with Exodus, which is March 20th. Yeah, we might start recording drums like February. Start, start recording drums like February 15th. Yeah. And once we have a dry track, I can start doing vocals yeah. right then and there. So it's not yeah. like we have, it's not like I gotta wait for the drums to be done, then the guitars and the bass. I can do it right from the, right from the day once the drums are edited. Track, right. Once the drums are edited, I can fucking go. Cool. You know? And Rob, while we have you here, just uh, an Exodus update. It's been, I guess, what, two and a half years, three years since the last Exodus record. Can we expect new music from Exodus at any point soon? You, want, what, you said it like it was, well, it's been three fucking years since you've had an album out, dude. What the fuck? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, we toured a lot. You know, and uh, Gary, uh, you know, helped out Slayer by, you know, filling in for Jeff. So that threw like a little monkey wrench in, uh, in our plans. Um, but it seems that uh, I got to go out to Nam to play. I'm, I'm playing uh, uh, the Nam show. We're playing at, at uh, in Anaheim on the 26th. So I'm going to actually stay in California um, and go and write up in uh, in the Bay Area, we're going to go, I'm going to sit there for like a week, and then we got to go to Argentina for like five days, and then, uh, and then just take it from there, uh, hopefully, I know Slayer is like writing, and we're writing, we're trying to have records come out around the same time, so we can possibly, you know, do stuff together, which would be kind of cool, but, uh, you know, Gary's helping out them, and, and doing us full time, but we're focused on just writing, and, and um, doing that record, uh, hopefully it'll be out by the fall, I mean, I'm hoping it, they record it during the summer, like by the end of the summer, and have it, you know, done. And this one, I'd like to have this one done before March 20th, but uh, I don't know if it'll happen or not. But 
I'm going to try, and I'm not going to rush it, though. If it's not ready, I'll just, I'll, I can come home. I'll be home April 20th is the last day of the tour, so I can just have it done by, it's probably the, you know, early May this way, May, June, July. It's out in August, you know. Yeah, very cool. The more we play the material before we track, <laughs> the more we play it before we track it, the better it's going to get anyway. So if, yeah. if he goes away, us These four guys, they, they do, can just they jam to do. until we're But I know, uh, you know, Lee from Heathen he, uh, and Exodus, he called me yesterday in, in his um, booking summer festivals with both of us. We're trying to do a tour very with cool. Heathen in Europe where we share a bus, but we're trying to get on the same festival. So he's doing that now. That's what he's taking care of. So he's trying to get us to go to Europe with a heathen, which we're all down for because at least he's getting us like 300 bucks a show. This way we can pay for the bus and maybe, you know, have our merch to, to finance. Right. So at least we're, you know, at least I'm not coming home in the hole. Like right. I can't go in the hole. I got to at least pay for itself. I don't right. care if I don't make any money. But I have to at least pay for that. I can't right. be going in my own pocket to go on tour and then come home and pay all my bills. It just blows right. dog dick, you know, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I, I hope all of the uh, Talking Metal uh, viewers and listeners realize that you need to go out and you need to buy these tickets and you need to buy the records. You, you don't steal them for free or get them, you know, I don't online give a free, or anything. You know what? Download the shit for free. I don't give a fuck. Come to our show. Please buy, come to our show and buy a shirt, please. Right. You know what I mean? Like the right. record, you're never going to make money on records. I don't give right. a fuck about that anymore. But. Come to the shows and, like, you know, buy a fucking shirt and, you know, and tell somebody else to do it. Right. And that's how it works. I yeah, mean, that's support how it these guys. In the 80s, man. Right. I heard about, I got them, I remember having a, a, a tape that someone had written Metallica on it and it was a, it was a live, like, tape from some club and it was a cassette and it just, and I never heard of it. I never heard anything like that before in my life. Wow. I never getting it. We didn't have the internet. Yeah, man. <laughs> we made yeah. tapes. Yeah, so These I, cartridges yeah. with ribbon on them. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the, simply just, you know. Kept the scene alive. It yeah. gave birth to the scene. Really, the thrash metal really came through tape trading and fanzines and little labels like Metal Blade that are still yeah. around and Megaforce, you know, back in the day, which right. was a huge, you know, those two labels back in the day were really influential to what's going on now, you know? I used to, my whole point in life at one point was to get shirts. And like, like nowadays, you know, I don't know why people aren't all buying a shirt. Like if you go to the show, you should at least buy a shirt or two. And I used to wear them the very next day. I don't know if that was cool or not, but... Uh, you, want to hear, uh, and, yeah. you know, here's a cool story about New York. Right, you went to school the next day with your concert shirt on. Right. 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 And New exactly. York is such a, a huge place. But I'll never forget... One night, I'm just walking down the fucking street in Manhattan, and walking toward me is, is fucking John. We're just yeah, yeah. Happening. In the middle yeah. of Manhattan, I didn't call like we were not. Just, hey man, hey dude, what's up? Like that's how small New York is. Yeah, and actually, this huge. Uh, city. I remember we we're down like on 14th Street. It was like I was walking 14th. around. I was yep. going. I forget where I was going. I don't remember anything except, <laughs> except running into you. That's all yeah. I remember. Very cool. So, and uh, and singing with you guys with uh. At Dingbats on that. Yeah, that was did, awesome. Uh, we did the Metallica tune. Yeah, we did Seek and Destroy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you just did the Sabbath tune with us for uh, on video, which yeah. was great. That, that, that's one of my favorite jams that we've ever, ever done. But I ran into Metal Mike recently, but he, he ignored me. So really? He can go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I haven't seen him for <laughs> a long fuck time. Fuck off, dude. I mean, wow. you know. Yeah, man, he fucking ignored me. I was like, I was like hey, dude, what's up, man? And he was like. Like, yeah, right, fuck you. Jeez. And I walked away. He was kind of a dick. So, Metal Mike, wow. go fuck yourself. You <laughs> Metal Mike, we, we're going to get you guys back together. That's, that's, did he realize who you were? 
I don't fucking care. Wow. Come on, I had it. Yeah. I literally, yeah, you, right, it's not right. even that. It's, it wasn't even yeah. that. It was not even as like, I put my hand down and he just kind of like totally ticked me. I'm like, where was this? I don't even remember. No, it was. Uh, <laughs> that's your spot. I don't go. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't invade your territory. All right. Where the fuck was I? It was at. Uh, I forget, dude. It was somewhere. I was for something. It's weird. Someone dragged me out of the house to go to fucking. Maybe it something. wasn't him. No, it was him. Huh. Huh. That is odd. Well, thanks, yeah. guys, so much for joining so, us. Before we go, so <laughs> let me. I gotta. I gotta. So, what's your story, Mark? Yeah. Regarding what? I don't know. What do you yeah. do? Yeah. Uh, I, well, I work uh, in television, and um, you know, well, I do the Talking Metal podcast, of course. But to pay the bills, I work at IFC right now. It's the Independent Film Channel. I know what the fuck is. And uh, yeah, we do um, we do promos for them. So we have uh, a show Portlandia and Whisker Wars. Okay, Portlandia. Let's talk about Portlandia. <laughs> All right. Okay. I tried watching Portlandia, and it has that David Cross, Jack Black, like that whole Brian Posehn, that whole frame of like Sarah Silverman, that group of comedians. Mm-hmm. But dude, I don't get it. And I loved like I loved like you know uh, SCTV and the Kids in the Hall, and I like all that weird kind of that show. I don't get it. Do you get it? Yeah, I, I get it. Of course, what else am I going to say? You know, but uh, yeah, definitely. I, you can I think, say you don't get it. No, I get it. I. I, I Do you think it's funny? I think it's funny. I, th- I was a little disappointed in some of the the third season episodes that are now airing, but um, yeah, I think Fred Armisen is is hilarious. I think he's. Mm, I don't think he's that funny. No. I haven't seen the show. What about you, dude? What, what's your deal? I know you work here at Gibson. Yep, I work at Gibson. Um, Ace Frehley's assistant, and I also work for Nickelodeon. Oh, so we played this party, right? And we yeah. did it. We did a cover of Strange Ways, and we only did it because we thought Ace was going to be there. We were hoping oh, Ace man. was going to be there, and they never <clears throat> even played that song live. We did because wow. I, we I did won. actually. The guitar solo was one of, I think it's one of the best solos he ever did. And it it's was always cool. one of my favorite songs. So we did a cover of that. So what wow. I'm going to do is I have a tape of us doing it, and I'm going to send it to you. Okay. Except for I would that, but Trenzer ruined it. The he, oh. he fucking, like, totally, like, flubbed it and ruined the first. And he was like, I didn't do fuck it up. I'm like, dude, we have it on tape. <laughs> but we well, actually stopped anyway. and we'll started, started again. Oh, started to tune again. But okay. you know what? How about this? Okay. How about we... We make it up, we come down, and we, and we play it and okay. for you. So Let's you can, do it. You Let's can do give it. it to Ace and go, dude, these guys, right. you know, he's got, a, a, he's got Kiss tattoos. Oh, yeah? He's like, he has a Kiss pinball, uh, pinball machine. Very cool. Like, he is the, the metalhead Kiss guy. Wow. I, I, I don't like Kiss. I never <laughs> did at all. You know? We <clears throat> did Strange Ways. That we did Strange Ways. I love it. I, Kiss is cool. Ace I, really I, snubbed me. I went to shake his hand. He told me he was going to be at this party. Yeah, we did Strange Ways. And it was uh, actually, it was one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite songs. It's a great tune. And that backwards guitar solo is very cool. It's one yeah. of the. One yeah. of the coolest Ace solos, and that's from you know '74. Yeah, man, that's yep. ahead of his time, and it had the same do 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 do. It had the same as uh, what was the other song? Watching you, or 
It had that doo 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 wow. Yeah, the same chord progression. Parasite had the same chord progression. Yeah, the same record. Right. Written by Ace. Really? Oh, so yeah, Parasite's Ace too. So you know when he does that, that was kind of cool. They're talking Ace Freely's assistant. Oh man. You gotta be on your game here. Man. Come on. Ace is the shit. I, I like it. Cool. Yeah, I really well, do. I can't wait to hear it. We, we should jam that tune. We should do a talking metal jam with us and you guys. Have you guys come guys. down? Yeah. This yeah. would, uh, you know. In, Why don't we do that? And, and, yeah, let's and, do it. Well, that, if, if we, we could we get Ace, that, that would be amazing. amazing. But if he's in town. But have you guys do a couple originals and then do a cover? You know, that would, yeah. that would be a and lot of fun. that's something we haven't done uh, ever on Talking Metal, and I think it would be a cool idea to kind of have a concert, like an episode where you guys do, like, three tunes by yourself, and then we come up and do a tune or two yeah, with you guys. That'd be great. Yeah, but. man. Well, you know, let's, let's figure out what songs, and we'll do it, man. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. And we are uh, definitely strange, strange ways. ways. Yeah. And if you, National you'll say that, if, if you, you can, want to do that too, uh, we do. The, actually, we do. that is one song that John and I actually. Yeah, know. Yeah, we know yeah. strange ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you can we get to totally come do, do the solo, uh, you know, I'll. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. If if he's in town. Yeah, man. You would do it, really? I think I, 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 I think I could possibly get Ace to come, Jim. You won't fuck it up, though. You know Ace's assistant. Hey, man, just have Ace's assistant <laughs> writing his book. Ace, you got to be in New York on February 17th. Yeah. Well, we could just do what Gene Simmons did and just have someone else wear the makeup. Okay, like a, oh. <laughs> maybe we could get Tommy Thayer now. You know what? Of all the shit talking tonight, you're the worst. Yeah. That's that, you're the worst. I don't agree with it. Yeah. I think Ace is Ace, and no one else should be Ace. No, they should have made a more That's different bullshit. makeup. Totally. Oh. I don't like. I I uh, I don't like uh, the business practices of a lot of the upper echelon of uh, music industry. Yeah, no doubt. Kiss. It's Ace nah, I like Kiss. Well, I like I like a lot of the old. Other older stuff is great. You know. Yeah. So. Cool guys. Well, hey, we had a blast hanging out with you guys. We always do, Rob, and and it's great to meet both of you guys. And we didn't talk about stores at all. Like, uh, I was yeah, going to yeah, ask yeah. you. I was going to ask you. What, I mean, what, are you concerned? No, are you concerned? Dude, Kathleen Kennedy, man, is the shit. She is going to make. She's going to make Star Wars viable to watch. You know, Disney always frightens me, but you know what, man? Um, she is not going. She is not going to let it go that way. She is all about aliens and cool. James Cameron. Like they're going to get some. It's dude, wow. No, man, it's, they're going to take all the cheese out of it. They're going to keep it like, like I thought episode three was great. So I think they're going to keep a lot of heads coming off and shooting Jedi in the back and killing fucking younglings and all that. That's a lot of, it's going to stay like that. What about, I mean, there's two concerns. A lot of the people who are, are fans of the expanded universe like yourself are concerned. Will they stick to that expanded universe storyline? I think they're going to pick some lines and go that way. Like, they couldn't go with it. Like, dude, there's so many stuff out there. Like, there's, there's e-stories where people just write without Lucas' permission that are really cool. And then there's stuff that they, you know, that Lucas approved. And he's always been very cool about it. Um, but I don't know. Like, if, because if you ever read the book that came right after that, it was really bad. Like, with when, you know, Han and, and Leia, they have kids, and it's really just so wow. cheese-dicked. I mean, it's... Uh, One of the kids is named Anakin, right? And man, Yeah, it wasn't very good. But the stories that came after that were fucking brilliant. Like, they were just fucking great. So hopefully they can take the best parts of all of that and bring it together and, and make something, which I think Kathleen Kennedy is not going to allow... Um, bad shit to happen. It's, I mean, it's going to be like aliens good. 
You know wow. what I mean? And the so well, that's you think cool. they'll go back and re-release once again episode four, five, and six? And if they did, I would hope that they they return like get get Boba Fett and Jabba out of episode four. They don't belong in that episode. The 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 band in in Return of the Jedi they replaced the band in Jabba's palace back in the nineties with. Darth Vader with young Anakin Skywalker and the ghost at the end. Yeah, that, that <laughs> strangely doesn't bother me as much, <laughs> but um, make Obi Wan the young guy too, and Yoda. Yeah, well, come on. Listen, I don't listen. You ever watched? You guys watch South Park? Yep. Have you watched the the raping episode? I don't know if I've seen it. Recently. Oh well, listen. You need to go on SouthParkStudios.com and watch the raping. It's it's it'll explain. Everything of I feel about how how they okay. how they do Star Wars and you know wow. I don't really care I have the originals and uh, and you know you can't take that from me plus if you go online you can actually download the edited versions of all the new ones with all the love gone like wow. there's no oh cool they took out all the love story it's killer it just moves so quickly and it's like thirty minutes less and there's no wow there's no exchange between um, you know yeah. You know, so yes, they took a lot of him out, but he's in it, you know, because he needed to be. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, dude, you know what, man? I'm not begrudging anything. You know, I totally get it. The guy got older; he had kids. He was making, you know, I mean, fuck you. Right. You know, everybody that judges it, man, like really, like you've always been perfect. You fucking cocksuckers, man. Fuck you, people. I mean, you fucking bunch of. It's everybody's opinion, dude. That's all it is. You're just a bunch of. Opinion motherfuckers with like, you know, shut up. Until you've done it, you fucking have no right to judge anything. And I don't judge it. Like, fuck. I like some parts of it. I didn't like other parts of it. You know? Fucking cocksuckers. Dude, they suck, man. (laughs) I I don't read reviews anymore. You know why? George Lucas snubbed you? No, man. Because you know what? (laughs) Kerry King joined me on stage and sang Strike of the Beast and played. And I got to fucking jam and... Dave had me come up and uh, Dave Lombardo, dude, from right. fucking Slayer. Hey, man, come up and sing a song with me. Whatever review you have for me, right. go yeah. fuck yourself. Right. Like, After really, that, yeah, you know, like, come yeah. on, man. You, you can't you, get cooler than that. You're like, going to sit and make a comment right. on a, some fucking webpage about me. Like, yeah, give me a fucking break. Yeah, Kirk came yeah. fucking sending me Merry Christmas text, dude. Like, man. Go fuck yourself. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. Yeah. No, that's the way to be. I don't read reviews anymore. I refuse. I'm like, no, I'm not going to read them anymore because I don't care. I'm just doing what I do and that's it. You know? Right. Even, I think even the good ones affect you. I don't if, even if, care about if, the good if, ones. If I don't, don't read any. Hear your mind, you know, subconsciously. Because uh, yeah. if they say, "Oh, I love how they did this. I love this. I love this," in you know your what? mind, you're going to want to go in that direction, you know, without thinking about right. it. Right. You know so. what review I would read if 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 Kerry King had a blog and he was reviewing albums, and I would uh, right. You trust Tom him, right. or well, or Tom Araya or, or somebody who's actually been on stage and been through all the shit that goes on. You guys have been on stage. You know where right. it is. There's monitors are bad. There's shit going on. The people. It's just it, you know. So until you've done it, shut the fuck up. Right. Like go. Something yeah, I, I really think that the the people who write these reviews and leave all these comments are blatantly not qualified to do that. Is yeah. exactly what you're saying. They have yeah. no. Some they don't know. Living right. in fucking his mother's basement, gonna write a fucking review of an right. Exodus album who's never doesn't play any instruments and all he is is just some guy listening to metal. Like, go fuck yourself. Right. Like your opinion is fucking pointless. So right. shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, world with interactive magazines, you know, when yeah. back in the day you had Metal Maniacs or Thrash Magazine yeah. or, or Cream or whatever, and you'd read it, and to yourself you'd be like, oh, you suck, buddy. Now it's the internet. 
you suck, buddy. And <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. you know, well, like everybody's yeah. opinion is right there. What happened there. to like the good old days where you give a reviewer an ounce of weed and they give you a good review? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we had Docky Metal old. reviews that were like that. And, and at first they bothered me, but then I just started ignoring everything. I, but, you, yeah. you can't, man. I, I don't right. do it anymore. I don't do it anymore. I stopped doing good. it in the last right. I was like, you know what? I didn't, I don't read reviews anymore. I stopped doing it. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Yeah, I mean, we write for ourselves anyway. Not to, not to like, dismiss fans. We want people to like it. But we don't write for reviewers or other people, you know? You can't satisfy everyone, you know? Yeah. Some of, some of my least favorite songs on, the, on our own record wind up being in movie soundtracks and other people's favorites. So it's like, you know, everybody has a different opinion, so. I, I like what, in this band, both of you guys have said that this is one band where you really feel like this is your stuff and it, this band makes you happy because you're doing your thing. Yeah. Yeah, and not you're not conforming to anybody else's wishes, the the reviewers' wishes, anybody else's wishes. This is what you want to do. Well, you know, it's you know, like the whole philosophy of you know, give the people what they want. You know, okay, well, we're not doing that. We're actually right. just a bunch of friends writing music, and and we have no expectation of going on tour. We have no expectation of opening for anyone or doing you know, doing. The only expectation is, do we want to put the record on and be happy with it ourselves? And, like, am I going to enjoy playing this on stage with you guys at a, at a small club in New York City? You know, can, are we going to, that's really the, the only expectation I have. Am I going to be able to live with myself playing this song over and over again with you guys having fun and doing it? And anything outside that happens above that is just a complete bonus. And that's where it has to start. Because if I start writing, well, maybe we should write, you know, I mean, all... Basically, what we could do is, if we wanted, we could go kind of break down, like, the song Enter Sandman, which sold a million fucking copies. Everyone seems to hate that song, but someone bought 10 million fucking right. copies yeah. of that song, and right. it plays all the fucking time. And they close their shows with it, and people sing along, and they... So, okay, let's take that formula and write just that, and we could, we could do that and, and do stuff and, and, you know, formulate that kind of mentality, but we're not. What we are doing right. is writing songs that we kind of like, that we want to hear. But the thing about the Black Album was that it wasn't, there weren't 20-minute fucking renditions of, of, like, on Justice for All, which is one of my favorites, but it was an album that you really had to be a true metalhead to really get into, because, you know, the song of Justice for All was, like, 14 minutes, right? right? Of, right. you know, <laughs> of this. But when you hear, when, when Black Album came, and it, it, it didn't, it stunned me, but the truth was is they refined themselves into this this thing, and, not that I'm saying I want to do that, but I do, um, do want to make it listenable for not even myself, but for other people. Like, I don't want to go off on these self-indulgent tangents of, look how badass I am on the guitar, or look how badass I am. This is more about what's the song is more important. Is it, is it, That's, I like that when the song you know, is, the, the complete song is more important than like a specific part or how much proficient the guitar player is yeah, or whatever. It's all like slow burn. It's all about the vibe of that song. It's not the, the individual riff or, or the solo or the drums. It's just everything as, as a whole. It's it just, a vibe song because live, it crushes. Live, yeah, slow burn just crushes vibe. live. That's just, so. Totally cool, guys. Probably a good way to end this. Let's uh, listen to Slow Burn by Generation Kill. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you very much, and we'll, we'll jam soon and have some fun. Yeah. Strange ways. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> and guys, we'll, we'll, we'll let the, because we'll do like a
That was Slow Burn by Generation Kill from Red, White, and Blood. Yes, what a great album. If you haven't heard it, go to iTunes, pick it up, or listen to it on Spotify. It is just a great, one of the best metal records from the last few years, for sure. So, Talking Metal, we started this as, as two podcasts, really, back <laughs> in 2005. Wow. 400, 400 fucking episodes ago. Yeah. And uh, there was the Alien Rock podcast <laughs> yeah. and Talking Metal. Right. Now, Alien Rock uh, was uh, me as Captain T, and which is the stage name I used to play under uh, when we were doing gigs with... When I was doing gigs with John or the Hollywood Superstars or the Captain T-Band or Ronan or whatever, that was kind of my stage name. And John and I did a podcast together um, called Alien Rock, and then we also did Talking Metal. So, uh, you know, let's go back, man. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go let's back. Let's go back 400 freaking episodes to episode one of Talking Metal. <laughs> and take a listen right now. And we will... Uh, I guess provide some commentary as we're as we're doing this. Okay, so here we go. Episode one, check one, check one of Talking Metal. Talking Metal. When I was a kid, I used to uh, listen to a radio show called Talking Baseball. I always remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Talking Baseball was a show that was on TV, actually. What a great name, Talking Metal. Thanks to you, Mark. Oh, you bet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so funny. The penthouse suite here in Newport, Pavonia. Your old apartment. You yep, no yeah, live I know. I like that place. Not only come on the first, uh, or he's being kind enough to not only come on See, originally I was the engineer. Yeah. And yep. you were the host. Yeah. That only lasted for a handful of episodes. <laughs> a couple of episodes. And then you became... Co-host. Officially co-host. So you're not even part of this first episode, right? You're I'm a, a guest. Guest. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, we got some great special guests here. CC Banana uh, is currently powdering his uh, his yellow banana. Poor CC Banana. Passed away. Yeah, it's it really is sad. Of course, we'll be on a little bit later. And again, this is my first podcast. Um, my name is Mark Striegel. Uh, um, a music lover, uh, science fiction lover. Um, God, every other word is. Uh, uh, no, that's all right. Still do that. We st- yeah, it's okay. Not, not all that much has changed. Podcast and kind of just working out some of the kinks here. Okay, let's let's jump ahead a little bit. We'll uh, we'll jump over this song here. We are back on the podcast network. That was the first song ever played on Talking Metal. Very. Uh, Fruitful guest is that a word? Fruitful? I'm not sure. We're very we're at, we're very proud to have CC Banana here today. Uh, known throughout the heavy metal community uh, on the the internet, um, ccbanana.com. Yeah, back in 2005, CC Banana was all over the place. Going strong, yeah, going strong. It's so sad. Uh, he unfortunately died last last year, less than a year ago. Yeah, man. I still think of him every time I see a banana. Yeah, I think about him a lot. Man. Yeah, I really do. I think about him even when I don't see bananas, but uh, especially when I see bananas. Well, here he is. Yes, but that's okay. You know, you'll learn that I do everything. I'm like Paul Newman, Frank Perdue, and Rosie Perez all rolled into one. I'm sexy. I'm delicious, and damn good looking. <laughs> 
if I don't say so myself. But don't you know, he was a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, the Talking Metal listeners kind of loved and hated him. A lot of people actually didn't like him. He kind of had the same the same with Bud Friendly, you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, you either love him or hate him. Yeah, and I will say that John and I loved him. Absolutely. I, I thought he was great. I remember after that first podcast, I, I walked him to the car because he was going to see Cinderella or some concert that night, and uh, I was going to Target or something. And... Um, I was just thinking to myself, boy, this guy is good. He's really good on air. He, the words just flow. The comedy was flying high. And he was just a great guy. I just don't, you know, I know everybody goes through hard times. And I, I ran into him on a street a couple of months, maybe six months before um, he passed away. And, and he, he was upset. And I said, look, man, I said, I've been through ups and downs. I, I, I said, you, you know my history. And I said, you just got to keep plugging away at it, you know. You can't be on top all the time. But I was trying to help him. I don't know. I guess, I didn't, you know, yeah. it's really hard in that kind of situation. It is. It is. Let's listen to a little bit of this and then come back and talk over the top a little more. Yeah. And once again, the first video was great. I really enjoyed that. Uh, you had what the guys from Winger were on there um, and Cinderella. Some of the guys from Cinderella I remember seeing on there. And by the way, you were at the Cinderella show last night in Atlantic City. Uh, can you give us, I know, you, I know you don't have much time here today, but uh, you're a busy man, but um, can you give us just a, a brief uh, synopsis of the show last night, uh, Cinderella in Atlantic City? And who, who are they playing with? Uh, you're right, by the way, I'm a very busy man. I got to hop into the banana mobile and dash across the city there to my next, my next performance. Okay, so, but... Uh, what was the question? Oh, you who was there with Cinderella? It was a big bill. It was a very big bill. Not Bill Cosby. It was a Firehouse. It was Quiet Riot. It was Rat. Well, two-fifths of Rat plus a bunch of new guys who were very good, but not the original guys because one is dead and one is no longer interested and one of them is playing on a smaller tour. And so, and then there was Cinderella. It was big, four big bands on a great big stage for the first time in many years. And it was exciting. I felt like I was 17 years old because the music sounded pretty. And the people were running around, and they were all fat and old now. But still, I mean the fan, not the, not the guys on the stage. They all look good. All in good, tremendous shape, very well kept. Kevin Dubrow, amazing head of hair. I don't know how that guy does it. He looked great, in nice shape there. And the Cinderella people, oh my goodness, Mr. Striegel, they were so good. They were running around there, throwing their guitars over their shoulders. Nobody got knocked out this time. And Tom was singing there, like Yoda, you know, with the funny voice. And it's so good, you know. And he's, 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 he's hitting all the notes. And there's lights, and there's smoke and crap, and there's... Women throwing things up on the stage that normally hold their bosoms in place. Very exciting place to be. Good set list. Made me happy. I shared that with my lovely Jana Banana because she had never seen Cinderella before. Just a Disney movie, you know, but that's okay. It's a different kind of a thing. And I had a great time, and I only got sick twice. So a good day overall. Thank you for asking me. And now I must go see my, my many fans across the city. I'm very in demand. But I had to come see all my friends here on the Striegel Music News Network. Thank you very much, Mr. CC Banana, joining us here in the studio on our first. So anyway, I wanted to tell you uh, the, one of the greatest CC Banana talking metal stories is when we played Dingbats for the first time with Screaming Metal, and CC introduced us and uh, on, the, on the video that Jay Bones did. Um, Dan Lorenzo goes. Next time you want a banana to introduce us, please run it by me first. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Uh oh. 
I heard now, Paisley Babylon. Song, yeah, the second song ever played on Talking <laughs> Metal, Paisley Babylon. Wow. Is John's band. Let's talk about this. Uh, yeah. This was a band you were playing with back in 2005. What happened with Paisley Babylon? You know, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes bands, uh, you know, could be the best of friends, and then some small thing will happen, and then the band will break up. And that's what happened to Paisley Babylon. I was just recently thinking how cool it would be to get Paisley Babylon back together and to do something. And uh, we, we had to call up Rob Fiore and Mike Gallello and see if they'd be interested in doing something because I would, uh, you know, in, in Talking Metal can sponsor the gig or something like that because I think uh, these tunes were great and they really challenged me on the drums. By the way, this is me on drums. Rob Fiore on vocals and bass and Mike Gallello on guitar. And I I, I miss those guys and I, I'd really like to uh, jam with them again someday. Yeah, I miss Rob too. I haven't, I haven't heard from him in a long time. Let's listen to a little bit of this and uh, then we'll... Uh talk a little bit more on the podcast. Okay, guys, here we go. This is John's first appearance on <laughs> Talking Metal, episode one, as a as a like guest, yeah, engineer, producer slash guest, right? Yeah. I love that song. Um, that is Onion Peelings off the Paisley Babylon. Uh, I'm not. It's it's. How do you let me, how do you pronounce that? The Omid is that what it's called? Omed. 
Omed. There you go. John's first <laughs> word on talking, talking metal. John Omed. Which is actually demo backwards. Newport, Bravone, New Jersey City. This is an amazing... I'm talking backwards in tongues. First word. I'm talking in tongues. There's a Kiss pinball machine I'm looking at right now. An actual pinball machine. Uh, what you just We heard. are describing oh, John's old apartment, which yes. he no longer lives Correct. in. Correct. Moved into a higher class that place. Thank you. John. And uh, John is, again, gracious. We'll listen to a little bit of this. Yeah, this is funny. He's been a killer. Tonight. Uh, and uh, he's engineering this, and he's also uh, my special guest. He was on TV last night. Wow, this night. is some interview. So far, you've said one word. Oh, wait. <laughs> taped probably uh, almost a year ago uh and i think uh vh1 will be re-airing all five hours of most metal moments is that right john Ooh. yep on saturday august 3rd second word yep one is going to air the 100 most metal moments which is a uh, five-hour show counting down the 100 coolest things that sound like i might have been under some slight influence yeah we were both drinking pretty heavily that point. John that is point. wearing a, a Montley Crew shirt here, and it is the possibly purchased at Target logo, which I think that Montley Crew only used on the first record, uh, "Too Fast for Love." And surprisingly, uh, tell us where you where you bought that shirt. Who? This might be a least metal moment, <laughs> <laughs> but this totally cool shirt was purchased at Target. Right outside my window here. So, um, and I also got a great Kiss shirt. I've got a couple of ACDC shirts, and uh, you know, basically my whole right. entire wardrobe. And so, you know what we're gonna do, guys? We are gonna make this episode available to you for the first time oh. since like probably two thousand. That's a good idea. Yeah, you can. We'll we'll post it. We'll post it on the on the site. And for, um, you know what, I'll put it like in a you send it or something on the site. And for the next two weeks, if you're listening to this, for the next two weeks, you'll be able to go download this very first episode of Talking Metal. And, uh, yeah, and and I don't even know if I can recommend listening to it. It's uh, Yeah, it's, it's funny. Tough it's really funny. I'm surprised at... You know, some of the antics that we were pulling back then. And we kind of got known to have fun while we do these. And I swear that when you see, like, people doing interview shows and they're in a kind of a bar situation, that I can't help but think that we've had some slight influence oh, yeah. on that kind of stuff. Because I, I really think that became a trademark of Talking Metal. The Talking Metal Toasts, you know, hanging out in bars, talking metal and uh, drinking some alcohol, which is all fine. No drinking and driving, but, you know, don't do anything that's illegal. But uh, as long as it's legal, it's okay. Yeah, definitely. And we've had a blast doing this, guys. We appreciate you hanging with us for the for the past 400 episodes. We've had so many great guys and girls, for that matter, on the podcast. But when I think of the people who are really a part of the Talking Metal family, I mean, Rob Dukes, for for example. But yes. Bumblefoot has been on so many right. times. There was our, our good friend CeCe Banana. His name was AJ. Rest in peace. He was on probably more than anybody. Um, 
Who else, John? In this moment, was yeah, a big in this part moment of, was a big part of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Dan Lorenzo and Alan Tecchio and Ron Lipnicki and T. Coombs and all those guys, yeah. uh, you know, were part of the family. Um, I don't know if T. Coombs was ever on the show, but no, he, uh, wasn't on, yeah. he wasn't on. But he, he played with Screaming Metal, so that counts. And um, Jay Bones, Jay Bones, absolutely shooting, part of the family. Some of the interviews. Um, I, I really have to say that Rob Helford was part of yeah, the Talking Rob Metal Helford family. Was. He, you know, he did this. Uh, he did. So many interviews with us, and then he he also um, wrote a song for us, a Talking Metal theme song, which was used in in the first episode of Talking Metal on Fuse, and then Fuse and his manager got in a little tiffed over, I guess, money, honestly. Yeah, o- over like some, yeah, over, who knows what it was over, but... And, uh, that manager actually no is no longer managing Rob, and we no longer work for Fuse. And we've actually spoken to Rob about that, and there's absolutely no hard feelings with us. We actually, yeah. after we left Fuse, had Rob back on uh, when we hosted MTV2's right. Bangers Ball, and he was on with us for that. Right. And that's still online, by the way, guys. If you go to MTV.com and just type in Talking Metal, the first thing that will come up is that Rob Alford interview. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And you know what? We cannot forget Metal Mike, also Metal part of the Mike, Talking yes. Metal family. Absolutely. Metal Mike, the guitarist on uh, Talking Metal. And that's another thing. Like, when you see like uh, people doing an interview show and, like, a uh, couple of things. You see a guitar player in the background or a band playing. Uh, I, I can't help but think we slightly influenced that. And also, uh, there are some TV shows where there's jams on them now at the end. And I, I really do think that Talking Metal had a big impact on shows that weren't even just in the rock world. I know news shows that have jam sessions at the end. And um, I, I, I think they're great. And I think that uh, I think that uh, somebody there must have saw some Talking Metal. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, of course, when we did the Fuse show, sat in the studio with us and jammed, which is uh, something uh, another TV metal show started doing more recently so right there you go and i actually kind of consider ace a part of the talking metal family in a weird way i mean he's been i know he he's done like two interviews with us but you wrote a book with the guy you work with the guy almost every day so in in a in a weird way he's almost part of the family not a weird way he he absolutely is part of the family and even on ace's website there's a a little section that says ace affiliates and talking metal is one of them ace affiliate yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're an ace affiliate. Yeah, so and had, he's a talking metal affiliate. We've had such a fun time doing this for you and for you guys. I mean, oh, Frank Ferrer too. Uh, yeah, Bert Gabriel. Oh, yeah. John Casamano from the forum. Right. Z Man, Shotaholic. Yeah. Z Man and Shotaholic and and Exciter, aka John Casamano, actually flew out for yeah. a screaming metal gig. Yeah, <laughs> that was amazing. Came up from DC and appeared on one of the. Uh, Talking Metal on Fuse episodes with us. Uh, Ian Christie has always. Oh been yeah, a he's been a part of it. Uh, so there's been there's been so many great people. Eric Bonja still has yeah. been on in a couple episodes. Let's not forget our good friend over in Spain too, Victor. Victor Marzeri, 2005. Uh, his uh, his podcast always is is very educational and good. He is, it's called Mars Attacks. So so many great people who have uh, been a part of what we Bionic do. Crew. Yeah. And another place out of business, and uh, Alien Rock podcast we mentioned started at the same time as Talking Metal evolved into Talking, Talking Rock. Rock. Yeah. I had a Mark Striegel podcast for for a while. 
uh, Mark Striegel Radio, Live 365. Everything's yeah. basically gone, but Talking Metal remains. It will never die. It will never it die. It will never die. We don't want it to die. We love Talking Metal. Yeah, and I wanted to mention a big thanks to Martin Popoff, who's been on a number of shows. His Sabbath book that's out, Black Sabbath Fact, he actually gave me a thanks in it. Wow. So I, I was psyched uh, Very about cool. that. And I wanted to mention John was on... What, CBS News, was it? You know, it's it's a website called CBS Local. Initially, I, I had to do some research on the site, and it turns out that CBS Local isn't just something that's local in New York. It's local in whatever city you're in. So, like, for example, if you're in L.A. and you type in cbslocal.com, the address will, will change and redirect to losangeles.cbslocal.com. Or if you're in Atlanta, it will be atlanta.cbslocal.com or denver.cbslocal. Now, in New York, it's NewYork.CBSLocal.com, and I just made an appearance uh, and premiered yesterday uh, on a show called Jukebox Jury. It's a web series, and it's hosted uh, by MTV Geek host and former Fuse host Stephen Smith. What's MTV Geek? MTV Geek is is something where Stephen goes out and does interviews with people at stuff like Comic Con and stuff like that. Oh. Yeah, I have not actually. Uh, I, I think I've seen it online, and I, I got to find out more about it. But he was telling me about that, and um, it's a uh, it was a nice thing to see Stephen again, and uh, it was really fun to do uh, this episode of Jukebox Jury. The episode that I was on is a debate on whether or not there should be a rock and roll retirement age, and I of course said no. Right. And uh, I, I'll leave it up to you guys to go watch it, and uh, you'll see so, who wins. So he, he debates this other guy, and basically uh, a panel of judges award one of them the winner. So if you right. want to see if John uh, is a loser or a winner, <laughs> go, go check it out. We'll yeah. put a link in, yeah, in today's in show, show notes. notes. For sure. Today's show notes. All kind of cool words and phrases that we got from Talking Metal show notes, which I, I learned from Mark has always been a cool thing. Um Talking Metal Toast. Uh, you know you know what? I, I want to go back to some shout-outs to people who I think are part of the family. Like, I think it was pretty amazing that even before we went into the TV world, we had Ozzy on the podcast. Yes, we did. We flew to Las Vegas to yep. interview Ozzy. And met, we had to drive way. We were staying on the Strip, and we had to drive way the hell out to some radio station. Yeah. And uh, he, he was great. He was great. <laughs> he, he, he actually, in the interview... Had a couple of his, his historical facts mixed up, but, <laughs> but he was awesome. And I remember uh, after the interview, or maybe it was before the interview, they had all this, like, these people who worked at the radio right. station and brought in all this junk for him to sign. Like basketballs and... Yeah, and, like, old, like, tour programs and, like, like Hip Parader magazine covers and the guy just whipped out a pen. He just signed. Yeah. No, no complaints. Like if it was me, I would have been like, "Fuck this." Yeah, I moved. I felt shit. bad because I didn't want Ozzy to think that that was like all of our stuff. So I kind of condensed it into like one part of the table. And when Ozzy came in, and I always tell this story, he goes, "Okay, we got to get to work. Got to get to signing. Uh, where's the sharpie? Let me get going." And and he really took control of the situation and he signed the stuff. And I remember Mark, you even caught that he was looking at a picture of him with the yeah, blonde spiky hair. He, he looked at himself. Uh, there was one picture he signed that was from the Ultimate Sin era, and and he had the, you know, it might have been from one of those videos where he had like the white robe on, yeah. and the big hair, and he looked at, at John and I, and and he looked he looked actually at me right in the eye, and he goes, "What was I thinking?" Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah. he's he's and he like sh was shaking his head in disgust, but still signed it. 
Yeah, that's so, funny. Yeah, now that was great. And Zach Wild, of course, we, we interviewed him out yes. there as well. And, and he's, I mean, we wrote a tune with Zach and, uh, you know, performed on it, helped arrange it. Uh, it was very, very cool. I mean, we just had so many great experiences. Carrie King, uh, hanging out with him was amazing. Yeah, um, Nikki Six. Nikki. That was, that was our first official, like, you know, talking metal video interview with, uh, you know, like when we were with Fuse. That, that was the, the Nikki Six interview, and I thought that was great. I always like that Mustaine interview. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, there's just so many great times that we've had through the years. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it, it guys, it's it's harder. I mean, I'm sure you, everybody knows this. It's like to to come up with an idea to to do this, which was originally Mark's idea, and then like for it to go into all these different areas and to the fact that we had a TV show, you know, that went from pilot stage, which is hard enough to get that, and then into series, and then it got great ratings thanks to all you guys, and, you know, it's just nuts. And then now we're doing it again, and even if we're putting them out ourselves, I'm still happy we did uh, Headbangers Ball. I mean, how cool was that to guest host Headbangers Ball several times? I mean, that that's a really neat thing. And, and for for history's fact, as long as we're just name dropping and, and talking talking about the history of Talking Metal, who who did we have on those episodes of Headbangers Ball that we hosted after the Fuse show? Yeah, we had Halford, we had Zach Wild, Ace. Ace Fraley, Bobby Blitz Ellsworth. Uh, we did one with Mike Portnoy and Yannick Kurz. Right, yes, yes. That was in the same one. So that was like, what was that, four, six? We, we, I think we, we had the Guitar Hero Metallica. Yes. Yeah. And uh, did that we have any it. other ones? That might be That it. might be all of them, but, yeah. but that's Overkill. very cool. Overkill. Yeah, the Bobby Blitz. Oh, yeah, I think I mentioned that. And we shot episodes with Paul Diano and Peter from except which were right. used but whatever yeah you know and hey we still have all that footage yeah, and we actually used that paul diano uh footage numerous times for other talking metal related things right. that you can watch on youtube youtube.com slash talking metal we did some great photos with jeff tate right in this very room that we're in right now and he was sitting by a gold piano uh, which was an actual Les Paul piano. Um, you guys can find that somewhere on, in our old show notes in the classic site, which you can get to through the current Talking Metal site. Um, Jeff Tate's been on several times. Yes, he has, definitely. Definitely. I think three times. Yeah. We did, what, two? In, no, we did two phone interviews. I, I did one solo phone with him, and then right. we did him and Chris DeGarmo. Actually. Yeah, I think and then we did one person one, one here. Person. We only, yeah. I'm actually, speaking of Queensryche, very curious to see what happens with this new version of Queensryche. Yeah. But, I wanted to see if you wanted to go to, with me out to uh, New Jersey in March to check them out. Yeah. We do an interview with Totally. Them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be great. You know what? We cannot talk about the history of Talking Metal without mentioning... One group. Oh, Burke Abel, of course. But I, I was, we want to talk about our great times we had in New York with him. But I was going to refer to Guns and Roses. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we had the Talking Metal Chinese GNR Stakeouts. Stakeouts. Yeah. Where we a, went down to Axel's manager's office <laughs> and basically harassed them. Harassed people as they came out. Yeah. And, and we got so much freaking press for that. And, yeah. And. You know, everybody from, you know, Matt Larson and Lon Friend, <laughs> all these people started talking about that. And yeah. that definitely pre, pre-Fuse, pre pre-Ozzy interview, that was uh, that was a big moment for us and, and put us on the map. And 
that actually got you before we did the few show you did on your own a few talking metal vignettes i'd call them for vh1, VH1. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i did uh, an interview with the foo fighters an interview with godsmack and what else did I do? Godsmack, the Foo Fighters, and All American Rejects. Actually, I yes. uh, did an interview with them, and uh, and then Matt Pinfield interviewed me on the red carpet at VH1 Rock Honors, and uh, I was dressed up in the astronomy outfit and mentioned talking. They, you know, they mentioned talking metal, and it was it was very very cool. And um, I think the only reason, Mark, that you weren't part of that was because you had to you had sci-fi work. Yeah, I think like so. just to, like other obligations because like that was something we could have both did, but. Um, yeah, that was wild. The the stakeouts I thought were really fun, and they had such a crazy fun vibe to them. And and I and the the thing is, is I don't think we crossed any lines that we shouldn't have crossed. I don't think so. You know, I think I think we were very cool, and we were very respectful of Guns N' Roses, and especially Axl Rose, who we absolutely love. And then uh, then we had after the GNR stakeouts, what was next? Was it the GNR summits? Yeah. Which I, was some ridiculous name I made up, which was called, like, you know where it came up? But there was, like, the G8 Summit, yeah. like which was, like, this political thing. So I came up with the name GNR Summit. And then and then after that, we had yet a third version, I believe, of uh, maybe there was a middle version that I'm, I'm missing. But we had all that great guns coverage. And then the, remember the craziest thing it was when you were watching from home the VMAs. Yes. And then the next thing you know, you saw that I was, like, like somehow, you and Axel were like walking around. Yeah, the VJ started talking <laughs> about. Here's John and Axel on TV, and the VJ doesn't even mention, barely mention. He's like, "There's Axel Rose and John, who you know, used to work in the tape library." Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny, and uh, that was just hilarious. And Axel was just so amazingly cool. And um, what was really great is that I was working as a press person for MTV that day and um, what 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 a press escort does is basically you know kind of pair up with with uh, the talent and and help them to get to their seat or to their interviews or whatever they were going to do so then afterwards I just happened to be standing in the right place at the right time and this was even after that little brief segment that was was broadcast that uh, I was paired up with Axel to help him with his uh, press interviews. And, and basically what, what that entailed was walking him to different tents that were set up uh, behind Radio City. I didn't even realize that there was an area behind Radio City for tents, but uh, there, there was. And um, I remember Axel did something with the Today Show and went around and did a few things. And, and um, you know, it was really, really an amazing experience. He couldn't have been a nicer guy. I mean, a total class act. Uh, it was just great. Very, very very nice to me. Even before that, you know, we talked about some of the upcoming GNR shows that were happening at the time, and he had mentioned to me that the Vegas shows were going to be really good, and I was telling him I had hoped to make it out there. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to do that. But uh, Well, you know, they recently, they, these different set of Vegas shows did like a month out Yeah, that's, that would have been great. Went on Jim, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, which was a great uh, That was really cool. And uh, so, yeah, the GNR stuff, Frank Ferrer uh, is great. We love playing with him and I hope we do some more playing with him. Bumblefoot, of course. Um, Kubal, uh, I always uh, would feel Kubal is Bumblefoot's good friend and, and collaborator. Uh, he lost his house in the hurricane. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, oh, unbelievable. I totally did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pittman, Chris Pittman has been on the show. Guns and Roses, one, yeah, but, uh, one Speaking t- of all these guys, I'd like to announce I did an interview in episode 399 with Thomas from Bloodbound, and I'd like to announce that. 
we're officially going to be bringing back the interviews to Talking Metal because I know that's something you guys have missed. And we're not going to do one every episode, but we will be bringing them back on a more regular basis. So that's something to look forward to. And really, the thing that started this all was John and I were asked to be talking heads on this show on VH1 called VH1 Metal Moments that I actually produced and wrote some of the the show. It was a five-hour show. And uh, then they threw me on camera to fill in some of the blanks along with John. And, you know, all these people hated us online. Like, Metal Sludge was like, who who the fuck are these guys? You know, what what a bunch of idiots. And (laughs) I, I kind of felt like, well... We need something to kind of... It wasn't just Metal Sludge. It was numerous other sites. And I kind of felt like we need something to kind of go out there and explain to these people that, hey, we're, we are big fans of, of right. 80s heavy metal music. And, uh, and so that's kind of what spawned Talking Metal. And it's been a great ride 400 episodes later. Yeah, I can't believe it. 400. 400, man. I, I, I can't believe it. But like I said, uh, it, it, you know... There's a lot of weird things that have happened to me and and us and uh, for some reason I I I always have been a dreamer and I think just about anything can happen and I really predict that uh, some some big things lie ahead for Talking Metal and I'm confident in that I'm totally confident and by the way guys just to, to put we didn't make up the word metal expert or yeah, the phrase metal expert. VH1. We were yeah. see when we were on that VH1 show, they they chironed us. They put a graphic under us. It said, you know, Mark Striegel, metal expert. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is why people were like, well, who the fuck are these who, people? Yeah, you know, you Martin know. Popoff should be the metal expert, and you right. know, in reality, you should. But, right. But John and I happened to be in the right place, at the right time, and and people producing and working on that show uh, knew that we loved this style of music. And Absolutely. To put us in front of the camera. We did not get paid for that. Right. And we were just fans like all of you guys. I mean, I started playing music in first grade, and I got my first Kiss record in second grade. And, and uh, you know, when Blizzard of Oz and all these records came out, I was, you know, listening to them and buying them with my yeah. friends, just like everybody else was. And, and uh, you know, of course, I was like a huge KISS fan, you know, in my grade school days. And then in high school, that's when I got into more what, what I think most of our fans would classify as like where, you know, metal really started. Like, I'm not saying that's where it started, but like, you know, bands at this time were like golden Motley Crue. Yeah, the golden age, like the early 80s. And, and then, uh, you know, I was into all that, just like all of you guys were. And, you know, we love it. We still love it. Yep. And on that note, why don't we end with somebody who is also a part of the Talking Metal family? Because we've used so much of his music. His name is Sean Baker. Yep. I think I discovered him in a Mike Varney column in one of the Very uh, cool. guitar magazines back around 2004, 2005. And he's just such a great player that not a lot of people seem to know about. But this is a song called Which Way to Radio Land. And we'll end today's show with this song. Check it out, guys. And a big thanks yeah. to all you for supporting it. You want to support us? Go to iTunes. Buy Which Way to Radio Land by Sean Baker. Go to uh, our PayPal account. Make a donation at TalkingMetal.com. Or use the Amazon links to open up your Amazon and make a pur- purchase. Just go to TalkingMetal.com. 
And guys, I want to thank all of you listeners, everyone who's ever listened to Talking Metal, downloaded an episode. Uh, I want to thank all of the guests. If there's anybody we forgot to mention, we're sorry, but we, we just really appreciated every single person who had something to do with this. I want to thank all of the different companies that we worked with, uh, networks. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, and most importantly, thank you to you listeners. And uh, let's get into that Sean Baker tune. <laughs> 